This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. We're in our fourth week of Inside Out, and we will wrap this series up next week with my friend Jonathan Suber. He will be here, be praying all week long, because next Sunday I am, I'm, I'm praying, I'm believing, I'm expecting, and by faith we will receive a wonderful blessing of the Lord uh, from, from the Word of God and the reception of the Word of God by faith. Someone say amen. So today, uh, we are in part number four, and my subtopic today is help, I'm unsure, and insecure. The reason this series ever came about was it's the turn of the year, and we all start the new year off the same way. We start it with celebration, then we go into reflection of the past year, and then most of the time we make resolutions for the new year But most of the time, New Year's resolutions are not kept because what we try to do is we change the external things in our life, hoping for internal change. And, you know, we don't keep the diet. We don't keep the savings. We we, we don't fulfill our commitments to New Year's resolutions. And then we get down on ourselves and then we say, fooey on it. We'll start back January the next year and nothing productive ever happens because we're trying to work it out on the outside and not work it out on the inside. So our first part of the series, we talked about addiction. And then the second part, we talked about anger. And then last week was a, I believe, a winner of a week as we talked about a difficult topic called depression. But today, I want to talk about how we see ourselves because a lot of you in the room are, are you're unsure, uh, unsure about you. You're not sure about you. And you're looking at you through a lens that I'm gonna show you today, a lens that is not healthy. It's an unhealthy lens. You're seeing yourself through a lens that's not clear. It's not sharp and pristine. It's blurry and murky and milky. And it's given you, it's given you a wrong idea of yourself, which in turn breeds insecurity. And, and we try to gain our self-confidence by doing things on the outside. If I could just get more muscles, you know, those kind of muscles. If I could just get muscles, I'll feel better about myself. If I could just get a new pair of shoes, I'll feel better about myself. And the truth of the matter is, you're not ever going to feel better by, by adding more stuff to your life. So we're talking about help, I'm unsure, and I'm insecure. Proverbs chapter number four, verse 23. Proverbs chapter number four, verse 23. And uh, this is an interesting uh, take on Proverbs 23. This comes from your good news. And it simply says, be careful how you think. Everyone say, think. Be careful. (laughs) Be careful how you think. We tell our kids, be careful driving that car. We tell them, be careful running with that pencil. Be careful doing this. But I think it's time that all of us need to start being careful how we're thinking. Be careful how you think. It goes on to say this, because your life is shaped. 
It's shaped by your thoughts. Are there, is there anyone that enjoys whittling? Anybody? I know it's a kind of an antiquated pastime, but there's some folks that enjoy whittling. What about molding clay? The, the maybe grandparents in the room in the nine o'clock service, do you have a grandchild that, that enjoys Play-Doh or clay? Or if you have a, a child at home still that has Play-Doh, we all have shaped by, by pocket knives with sticks or by clay. We've shaped things. Those shapes don't just happen. They come from our thoughts, our imagination, our creativity, and then we go into shaping it. Proverbs is telling us that our lives are shaped by our thoughts. In other words, we become how we think about ourselves. We live out, we manifest what we're thinking about ourselves. And there's a lot of, this is a little rhyme, there's a lot of stinking thinking going on and so therefore, we're, we're not modeling what God thinks about us. We're modeling what we think about ourselves. Is this making sense? Let me give you a couple things that uh, last week in the, in the, in the sermon time on, on depression, uh, we, we discussed a few things that I feel have influence in our minds. We, if you recall these points, we talked about the influence of the lie of the devil. The devil's constantly lying and that influences our mind. We talked about the pollution of the world. What we're taking in pollutes our mind. And then if you recall, we, we talked about how we view our problems. We make a bigger deal out of our problems and, and that affects the way we're thinking. Well, let me give you a couple things, two more things. Um, that affects our thinking when it comes to the shaping of our lives. Number one, we allow culture to shape or define who we are. We've let culture say what's, what should be important to us. Now, now, I'm going to touch a few little things here and there today that, that most of us don't want to acknowledge that's in our house, and it's in our house whether we want to acknowledge it or not. It's a thing called a mirror, and, and this week we've had fun in our house on the pronunciation of mirror. My daughter, Sayla, of course, is trying to be a little bit more proper than her country daddy, and he says, she says, Dad, it's M-I-R. R, R, it's not mirror, mirror, it's mirror, 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 say it dad, mirror, it's not mirror, well listen, it's mirror when I want to call it a mirror, so, so are there any mirrors or mirrors in the room, there's a mirror and we've got plenty of them, but hey check it out. We all look in the mirror or the mirror and we see ourselves and what culture says is, ooh, ooh, I'm losing my hair. Ooh, 
that nose of yours, Tommy, is so big. Ooh, Tommy, your beard's got gray in it. Tommy, ooh, don't stand that way. Ooh, the button's a little too tight. Tommy, you look shorter today than yesterday. And you're doing it too. Yours might be different, but we're all looking, trying to appear the way that culture says we should appear. Neat, groomed, sharp, or at least some people are. (laughs) Some people should. (laughs) The end of the day, here I'm going to touch this now. Oh, I, I feel... I feel like I'm overweight. And, 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 you know, I've got a beautiful wife, but we're raising two drop-dead gorgeous, beautiful little girls. And, and I, think it's, I think it's more prevalent in our female uh, network of friends and family that especially, you know, when, 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 you're, when your daughter's eight, nine, 10, 11 years old already concerned about weight issues, don't tell me that that culture's healthy. Don't, don't tell me culture's healthy. Now, obviously, there is a healthy way of living. I get that. But what I'm talking about is a concern of the appearance. Instead of taking care of the inside, we want to modify the outside to appear the way we think culture. It's... it's it's all about looks. Somebody say amen. It's kind of like the little lady that went to one of them powerful Pentecostal spiritual church services and somebody had a word of prophecy for her. And they said, Lucille, God has told me to tell you that you're going to live another 40 years. Well, Lucille was already on up there in her age and she thought, well, my goodness gracious, if I'm going to live another 40 years, then... I'm going to look good doing it. So she scheduled her a couple doctor's appointments, and she had a little tuck here, a little stretch there, a little enhancement in this and that. She went ahead and just got herself doctored up, and on the last day of her recovery, she got hit by a truck. <laughs> Gone. She walks into heaven, and she says, God, I thought you told me I was going to live another 40 years. And God said, oh, is that you, Lucille? I didn't recognize you. (laughs) It's all about looks. Got to look it. Got to look it. Nothing in culture should have the privilege of defining who you are. And we've all given in to this compromise and allowing the privilege of self-identity to be given over 
to a silly thing called the world. We've let them tell us what to wear. We've let the world tell us how to wear it. We've let the world tell us what's in, what's sharp. And, and I get it. There's a fine line here because, because I get that. But at the same time, don't cross the fine line into allowing your self-image, your security, your confidence to be found in something that changes like the weather called culture. Can I get an amen, somebody? But then we also allow this thing called our past to define us. You know why most people never get to where God sees them being? is because they're stuck trying to live their life in reverse. They're trying to go forward by viewing life in the rearview mirror. Mirror. They're trying their dead level best to, to... to move into tomorrow, but they're dragging the baggage of yesterday. Well, guess what? As soon as the sun comes up, you just added another bag to your, uh, to your burden of yesterday called the past. And, and if you don't ever get to the point where you can sever your ties with yesterday, you're never gonna be set free to be who God wants you to be. So, so what happens is we're unsure of who we are because culture tells us one thing, the word of God tells us another thing. We're unstable, we're double-minded in our ways, we're, we're here one day, there another day. We're, we're, we're tossing back and forth and then we got on top of all that, the past and the past brings this sense of insecurity of, oh, but what about yesterday? And ladies and gentlemen, until you come to this realization that when Jesus Christ gave his best, which was all that was needed on the cross, and his blood has been applied to your life, if you've repented of your sins and confessed your need for him as a savior, that blood is applied to your past and unlike your cousin and your brother and your sister and your neighbor he doesn't see you in the lens of yesterday he sees you in the lens of your potential for your future and until you get a hold of this you will be stuck living in who you used to be not becoming who God wants you to be I was sitting here in my office recently and, 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 and my, my text went off uh, on my phone. I got a text message and, and all it said was, hey, Tomcat. No one knows me by Tomcat other than people from DeRitter, Louisiana. And I was like, oh God, who's that? Tomcat, because Tomcat never really was a good boy. You had Thomas H. Brandon Jr., and then you had little Tommy. Then, by God have mercy, Jesus, you had Tomcat. And if you knew Tomcat, you didn't know Pastor Tommy. And I saw that text message say, hey, Tomcat. And Brother Larry Cottle, I instantly went, 
oh, I wonder what this is going to be about. And lo and behold, if something really interesting didn't happen on that day, uh, a, a, a friend of mine from long standing, years and years ago, probably third, about second to third grade, we met, and then we went all the way through graduating high school together. But we were on the same we played baseball in latter years, but early, early years, my father, his business, he sponsored, back in the old glory days, he sponsored t-ball teams. And, and this boy, his name was Michael. Michael and I were on the same t-ball team. Well, my shirt said Tomcat on my shirt. That's right, I was Tomcat. And I was the one that would, you know, uh, cause a little mischief on the ball field at times in t-ball. Before we ever got to baseball, he was already starting in t-ball. And, and he said, hey, Tomcat, he was in town buying a cell phone from a member of the church, and the member of the church strikes up this conversation, old boy drops Louisiana, and then he drops the word DeRitter, and the guy goes, uh, there can't be that many people from DeRitter. Do you know Pastor Tommy? No, never heard of him. You know, Pastor Tommy, he's from DeRitter. I, I'm, he says he knows, knows everybody in town. Pastor Tommy Brandon? No, nah, Tommy, Tomcat? And the member of the church went, no, <laughs> Pastor Tommy. He said, we must be talking about two different people. So the member of the church, <laughs> he needs to repent for his next actions. He thinks, if I show him a picture, he should have just dropped it. But he shows him a picture and the first word out of the guy's mouth, that's impossible. There's no way Tom Cat's a preacher. <laughs> now the member of the church wants to say, can you tell me why he would feel that way? <laughs> and, and Sister Lux, my response is no. You just need to take it to the Lord in prayer. <laughs> hey, I don't care who you are. You may not be a Tom Cat, but you've got a yesterday. And when I allow myself to go back and, and start reliving those days, I can't hardly even come to the pulpit without thinking to myself, how in the world can you walk into that pulpit and preach the word of God? And that is what culture wants to do and that's what your past wants to do. It wants to keep you. It wants to hold you from becoming what God's pulling you into. And some of you are in this same tug of war. You remember the, the, the drinking. You remember the, the carousing. You remember the living for the world. You remember all of that. But yet your heart, your heart wants to worship. Your heart wants to give. Your heart wants to live for God. But yet yesterday's pulling on you. Culture's telling you you can't do that. Culture's saying you're never going to be this and that. And yesterday's doing and and the next thing you know you're unsure you're, you're you're insecure so we buy this or we travel there or we earn that next degree we're looking for anything to help to give us a clear vision of who we are and God is saying you need to turn culture off and you need to accept the fact that your yesterdays are not only over but they're forgiven and you've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and yeah. your old man yeah. and those old things have now become new I don't see yesterday so why are you seeing yesterday I don't see you through the lens of culture. Why don't you see yourself the way I see you? 
but it can only happen on the inside. Romans chapter number 12 and verse number three. Let's talk about this thing called the past. Romans chapter 12 and verse three, and I'll, I'll speed up here. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Look at that word highly. That's not one of these things where you're kind of snooty. It's not that. It's, it's, actually, it's actually in an improper view of yourself. Don't think of yourself through, and don't see yourself through a dirty lens, through a, through a milky lens. You're having an improper view of yourself. Don't beat yourself up, but rather be sober. Use, use, think of yourself with sober judgment, meaning have a clear, clean thought of yourself. Where does that need to come from? Well, it tells us with the measure of faith God has given you, this is not saying, oh, just believe. What this is saying is be assured, be confident in your relationship with God. When you come to know God, God knows you as well. When you know that you know that you and God are good, that you, that you guys are tight, you will then be able to see how God sees you and by the measure of faith that God has given you, see yourself as the way God sees you. As a forgiven, blood-bought child of God. So we don't want to think highly and we don't, we, but we do want to be sober in our thinking, having a right mind, and we do it all by measure of faith. Someone uh, summed up Romans chapter 12, verse number three this way. Don't have an unhealthy view of yourself, but rather be set free from the wrong view and let God give you right thinking by being assured of who he is and what he believes about you. Some of you are familiar with the man by the name of Gideon in the book of Judges, Judges chapter six. We find Gideon threshing wheat in a wine press. He's down in the middle of a hole in a pit hiding from the Midianites, trying to thresh wheat in a hole in a pit, trying to, trying to separate the, the wheat from the from the husk down in a pit where there is no wind, where there's limited space because he's down there by fear. But yet when God comes on the scene, God says, the Lord is with you, you mighty warrior. And this is how Gideon responds. The same way some of you respond when God whispers in your ear, you're a wonderful husband. You're a beautiful wife. You're a blessed mother. You're a good businessman. I'm, I'm, you, I, when I see you, I see a winner. I see a champion. I see excellence. You respond the way Gideon responds. He says, but God, <laughs> but God. In other words, I have a rebuttal. I disagree with what you're seeing. You're calling me a mighty warrior and I'm down here in this hole hiding. God goes on to say to, he says, 
Go in the strength you have and save Israel from Median's hand. Am I not sending you? He comes back with, but Lord, how many times is God gonna come to you and bless you with a word of increase, bless you with a word of prosperity, bless you with a word of healing, bless you with a word of comfort and peace, bless you with a word of, 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 of abundance, and you're gonna respond how culture would or how your past would, you'll respond with, but Lord. Take some of you back to your parenting years. Honey, I want you to know you're gonna do incredible. But mom, son, you go out there and play your best ability because I know you're gonna, you're gonna play a good game today. But dad, or how about for you businessmen in the room, you gather your team together and you, you get them all in the break room and you say, guys, this is what we're hoping for this week. We're gonna hit this quota. We're gonna meet this number. Uh, uh, but... God is speaking over Gideon. You are gonna be a mighty deliverer, you mighty man of valor, you mighty warrior. What I see in you is greatness. I'm gonna use you, but Lord. Some of you in this room, you need to stop the rebuttal. You need to come out from, from always having to question God. And won't you just choose to take God at his word? And when God sees you, you need to accept that you are how God sees you. And when God speaks life over yes. you, you need to accept the words of life that are being spoken over you. Throw away, throw away the rebuttal, throw away the yes. argument, throw away the, the question and accept the blessing. Listen, everybody, you are just one single step, and I don't mean a, a, a physical step. You're one decision away from everything changing in your life. That decision is accept what God's telling you about you. Amen. Yes. Accept it. Amen. Oh, I, I, but I don't see myself that way. No, you may not. That's the point of the sermon. Stop seeing yourself the way you see yourself and see yourself the way God sees yeah. you. Yes, All right, back to the parenting. Oh, honey, you were just the, 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 the most wonderful, beautiful. Yeah, but mom, I'm, son, when I think of you, you're, you make me proud. Son, I see you as, yeah, but dad, my friends tell me, my schoolmates tell me, TV tells me. What about you and your father? When your father sees you, your father says, you mighty woman of God, you mighty man of God, you prosperous business owner, you, you, you productive employee, I'm setting you up for the best raise you've ever been given. You incredible parent, I'm giving you wisdom. You really handled that problem last week with wisdom and I'm setting you up to give you great insight on your child. Don't be like our natural children and say, but God, don't be a Gideon and say, but Lord, let the words of God, the affirmation of God, the blessings of God, let the love of God be poured on you to the point where you say, okay, I am that.
This is almost permission for the Thomas Jefferson swag. Come on, Wheezy, we moving on up. Some of y'all missed those years. I'm so sorry. Some of y'all missed them years. Thank you, Jesus, I didn't. Every now and then I got a channel, my Thomas Jefferson, and I grabbed the Nora and called her Wheezy, and we just strut on up. I'm going to move it on up. But culture in your past says, you're going to go on down. No, I'm not going down. Because God sees me as a mighty man of valor. God sees me as the head, not the tail. God sees me as the lender, not the bar. God sees me as blessed and not stressed. God sees me healthy and not sick. God sees me whole and not broken. God doesn't see me as unsure and insecure and depressed and angry and addicted. God says, I see you as a candidate that I can change from the inside out. And if you'll just take the lid off and if you'll open the door up, I want to get inside you and I want you to start seeing yourself free. I want you to start seeing yourself at peace. I want you to start seeing yourself delivered. I want you to start seeing yourself as confident, full of courage and confidence. Hallelujah. Oh, Gideon, though. But my, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least of my family. And then God changes everything. When he says, I will be with you and I will strike down all the, you will strike down all the Midianites together. Together? Who's the together? Who's with me? I'm down here in a hole by myself. What do you mean together? Uh-huh. Let me give you these three things and I'm gonna pray over you. You'll never be right until you see Right? You'll never be right until you see right. You're looking through a dark lens. You're looking through a blurry lens. You're looking through a lens that's cracked and fractured and broken. And it's, trying to, you, 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 it's like trying to pick up a cell phone that's been shattered and make a call with it. You can't even see what's going on. That's how you see your life. And until you see right, you'll never be right. Number one, you have to see God correctly. You got to see him correctly. Some of you see God as an angry deity in heaven. God's not angry with you. God's not against you. God's not watching you to see if you can make another mistake to prove the enemy right. God's in your corner loving you and supporting you and blessing you and encouraging you and cheering for you. You see the God of judgment, but he's the God of love and grace. You got to see him right. David said in the book of Psalm chapter 59 and verse 10 in the living Bible, my God is changeless in his love for me. Second thing, you got to see yourself the way God sees you. First Peter chapter two and verse number nine in the living Bible goes on to says, you are the priest of the king. You are holy, you're pure, you're God's very own. All this so that you may show to others how God called you. God's called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And then last but not least, you gotta get around the people, the right people that see you the way God sees you. 
all my tomcat peeps, they're in my past for a reason. Because some, you, you, you can't go where God's wanting to take you if everybody around you is saying you'll never go there. May God give you the wisdom in 2017 to get the right people in your life. You know how miserable it is to be praying for something and somebody else in the same circle telling you it's never gonna happen? That's difficult. You know how tough it is to believe God for increase and everybody else say it's never gonna happen? You know how tough it is to believe God for healing but everybody else in your circle say he doesn't heal? You gotta get some folks around you that says, you know what, that, that happened to me. My old elbow was hurting last week and boy, I tell you what, at the prayer meeting we prayed, I hadn't hurt since. You need somebody to speak life over you. You know, one time we had to file bankruptcy, but because of stewardship and we started putting God first and we, and we worked hard and we managed well, you know what? That bankruptcy is not hurting us now. We got through it and we're healthier for it. You need the right people around. You know, my marriage, my marriage was broken. We were on the rocks. I thought he was leaving. I thought she was leaving, but God did a work of grace in our life. You need the right people. You know, my kids, my kids, I didn't think they was gonna amount to anything. Now they're running their own businesses. Just, just, just be at peace. Be confident in the Lord. You got to see God right, clearly. You got to see yourself the way God sees you. And you need the people around you to see yourself, to see you the way God sees you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'll do these few things, you'll have a change on the inside that will break the chains of insecurity. It will break the chains of being unsure. It will give you a stability, a sure footing. It will give you a set, ready, go mentality. But you can't do all that if you choose to let culture and your past call the shots. I pray a blessing over you today. I want you to stand. I pray a blessing over you to be set free on the inside. Let the change happen on the inside. We've just come through our 21 days of prayer and fasting. We've come through a fantastic season of prayer here on campus. And I'm just praying in the name of the Lord that that doesn't stop just because of our schedule. Some of you are doing Bible reading plans. Hey, don't start good, finish good. In other words, don't just let this be a year of starting. You've started, now let's see it to completion. This whole series on addiction and anger and depression, don't let it just be a sermon series. I reminded someone in the foyer today, preaching doesn't solve problems. Sermons don't solve problems. Preaching and sermons get you on the right track. But then it's up to you to get that ball in and tuck it in real good and tight. And the enemy's gonna try to make you fumble. The enemy's gonna try to tackle you. But you gotta get that word, hold it down in your heart and run with the ball yourself. So I pray in Jesus' name 
that these last few sermons take root in your life. And let's, let's, let's get on down the road a few months and be different because we didn't hear the word. We became doers of what we heard. Can you join me and say, I receive. I receive. Now, I want you to do this and, and there's nothing, there's, there's nothing magical or supernatural in this. All it is is it's, it's, it's us taking authority over our, our, our minds and our bodies and we're gonna put ourselves in the right posture. So everybody kind of hold your hands out like you're gonna receive. And I just, I wanna pray over you and I, and I just want you to receive. Again, I don't want anybody to be wigged out me thinking that there's something powerful about these, how my hands are, but I do want my, I do want to respond physically by taking spiritual authority here. Let me pray this over you. Father, over the last few weeks, we've heard some poignant, powerful word. I believe with all my heart that the Holy Ghost have spoken to us in a very powerful way. And Lord, just as we would receive a gift from someone, just as we would reach out and receive any object from someone, Father God, I'm believing right now with this act of faith that we're receiving the word. We're receiving the blessing. We don't, we don't block it. We don't, we don't dodge it and avoid it, but we, we welcome it. So start right now in my heart, start right now in our minds, on the inside where it matters most, not on the appearance of a man, not, not on the outside external things that change like the wind, but where it matters most, changes from the inside out in Jesus' name, amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord today.